All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Where did I put my notes? <laughs> Somewhere. And, t- and tonight we are okay. taking the night off by watching Bumblebee's Night Off, the <laughs> 34th episode of Transformers Robots in Disguise. Uh, first aired April the 9th, 2016, and uh, written by show favorite Margaret Scott. Yay! Uh, last seen around these places, around these parts, uh, writing suspended. Yes, that oh. was fun. Strong arm, strong arm episodes are good episodes. Yes, but this uh, oh, this is a B episode. Yes. <laughs> Character episodes are good episodes. Yeah, so, uh, so we open Bumblebee Strong. This is another home team episode. Bumblebee, Strongarm, and Grimlock are looking... Are they at the rail yard? They're looking for uh, what appears to be, like, monster cable? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that I I have opinions about high-output cables. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to be upsold by some guy at Radio Shack on this stuff. Yeah. you got to make sure you buy an actual brand. I have seen so many... uh, reviews of cables for the the Oculus headset that they tried to do VR things with their gaming PC and it didn't work right because the cable was not actually high output enough for their needs. Oh, they needed to be upsold to the gold cables? (laughs) Get that monster cable. It's totally worth it. It is not worth it. It's and remember, if you, if, if, if you do not use the high-end cable with an Oculus, if you die in the game, you die for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when you die. In- <laughs> if you die in the game, you die for real. <sighs> Stupid Oculus. <laughs> uh, anyway, if so yeah, they, the, the, there's the, a very nice uh, nights nighttime skyline. Behind yes. this warehouse that they're digging around at, the mean city, uh, the mean streets, a crown city. <laughs> yes. So yeah, the, the Decepticons have been stealing this high output cable, and so they are going trying to find it, and then they can use it as bait. But they are finding a whole lot of nothing. Womp womp. Until Grimlock finds it, at which point he's promptly attacked by everybody's favorite deranged robotic frog, uh, Springload. Get a good best buy for the good cable. Mm. Also, Grimlock is super bitter. Yes. He does not want to be doing any of this. Not not his plan for tonight. He is, and Springload, of course, is he's working for our Decepticon Island Decepticons because Steeljaw has promised Doradus to him. I like the idea that, that he was Steeljaw was like, oh, you can join me. And he was like, no, I must find Doradus. And Steeljaw was like, uh, I will help you find this thing that you're looking for that I've never heard of that I'm going to pretend that I now know the location of so that I can manipulate you into joining us. Absolutely. Sure, Doradus, whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we get a little hopping action scene with our favorite Amphibicon. Yes. And then uh, Gribbot just kind of gets shot by Bumblebee because they, everybody is kind of out of practice. Everybody's... Yeah. Well, they're tired. Yes. He has been working them all too hard. 
and they need a break and they don't want to be doing this because it's stupid because who cares if the Decepticons have like the best sound system because they spent all the money on the best cables. It's a stupid mission and they don't like it. Yeah, so Grimlock gets shot and then a, a cackling spring load just rides the rails out of there, escaping with the cable. <laughs> yes. Man, I need high output cables for my laptop. So they I wonder had- if Cybertron has ho- I, ah, I wonder if Cybertron has hobo signs. Ooh. Ooh. I, I guess they'd be they'd be robos. Yeah, ro- yes. Robot hobos, robos. Robot hobos. I don't know what the equivalent of a pie cooling on a uh, <laughs> on a windowsill is, though. Just Energon. Energon? Energon cooling Ener- on the windowsill. Energon cubes cooling on the windowsill. Yeah. Mm. You gotta let them cool off after they're done being extruded. <laughs> So yeah, they, they get back to scrap here. They're just going to go right back up. But then he says, Listen, you guys, you know, like, you're working yourselves to the pretty robot bones. And, you know, the Decepticons, you know, the Decepticons can wait. But it turns out that they are indeed on the move. Dun dun. And it turns out that they've been stealing soundboards, which can be used in Starship weapon systems. And I realize that that's an electronic component. But I was initially thinking of the soundboards that you use on, like, radio shows where we've got, like, a bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger phrases. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, would be a devastating weapon in the uh, in their arsenal. Yes. <laughs> We're getting a transmission from the Decepticons. Who is your daddy? What does he do? No, he's not the tumor. Uh, oh, that old soundboard thing. Your clothes, give them to me. <laughs> this may take a while to decrypt. <laughs> but, we need uh, a junkie on stat. <laughs> so once again, we have the Decepticons stealing things that can be used for starship parts. Yes. And it seems that their next target will be the Crown City Rumble Dome. Uh, that is previously where we saw Headlock and Ground Pounder in like that weird... Demolition Derby thing. I oh, meant to look okay. that up. I was wondering yes. if that was the same place or if Crown City was big enough to justify more than one Rumble Dome. Yes. And uh, specifically, it is a concert by Rear Axle. <laughs> yes. Which does sound like a band name. Yeah. And it sounds like one of the bands that would be on the Transformers the Movie soundtrack. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it I mean, does. It, it's a very transformer themed band name. It's it's like if Stan it's like if Kiss was five Stan Bushes. <laughs> yeah, they do they do look like Kiss in like pastel colors. Yeah, it's their little Kiss, their little gem in the holograms. I definitely <laughs> thought gem in the holograms. Because they've got the eye mark eye makeup, but it's all bright colors. Yes. Mm. And they they're a real eighties throwback act. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to be implied like the way Bumblebee talks about it, they're an older band. Oh, well, definitely, because we see uh, Denny was a big fan of them in his youth. Yeah, so they and would he's be old. an 80s band. So, his, yeah, his, no. And he pulls out a picture to demonstrate, and he has a mullet. Yes. 
and Russell is appropriately scandalized by this. Now, it, it does, you do wonder if, I mean, Bumblebee was on Earth prior to this, but not in the 80s. He was there like 10 years ago in like the aughts. So mm-hmm. I, I guess the question is, was like Miko into like retro 80s music? Maybe, maybe Miko liked them ironically. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Or they do just, seem just a little too soft for her. Well, I, I think maybe like Bumblebee just couldn't quite understand sarcasm. Like, oh yeah, Bumblebee, you should listen to this. They're great. <laughs> She could have sincerely suggested it to him as a thing that he would like that wasn't her thing. Alternately, remember that she's from Japan. Maybe this is a thing where they're like, uh, they're like cheap trick. Bigger in Japan. Where they're like huge in Japan or like Mr. Big. Yeah, Yeah. that could be it too. Or it's just that they were in the middle of nowhere Midwest town and they only got a few radio stations. Though the way that uh the way that Bumblebee describes their music is very big Stanbush vibes. Yes. Yeah. But it's not quite how they actually sound. Well, mainly because there's no lyrics in the songs we hear, which is kinda detrimental to the episode. I mean it would I mean, you know, we we if you fans of our uh rescue bots episodes will know they got a couple of original songs from actual musician <laughs> Clint Black. Yeah. And it would have been pretty yeah. cool if they'd been able to get some sort of like eighties retro act. Or Stan Bush. Do or Did yes. Just get Stan? Stan Bush would do it. He would some, absolutely do it. This when this came out, Stan Bush was very firmly in his career as the guy who did that Transformers song. Uh-huh. Yeah, this uh no this Devastation video game came out before this, maybe? I would say anything prior to, like, the first Michael Bay movie, I'd say maybe that would have been harder to do. But really, from then on, he was just firmly, like, ready to do anything to do with Transformers. So, yeah, we could have used a little... You know, the, the background music we hear in this is fine, but, like, an actual song would have been... Yeah, it would have really made the episode. I wonder if maybe it was written thinking that they were going to get it, but maybe the budget just couldn't quindle, quite allow. Maybe. Maybe. So anyway, Strongarm is opting out of this because she has to... Uh, she has to uh, study her traffic citations, and Grimlock is going to try sculpting. And mm-hmm. Denny would like to go, but he has a he has to meet Crackpot Carl, uh, the <laughs> camshaft collector. Camshafts are not a thing that people would normally collect, no. So I well, understand that, why well, he's a crackpot. Yeah, that's why he's a crackpot. But he's a crackpot. Like, like crackpot sounds weird. Well, like, I mean, presumably it's like uh, you know, it's like an our prices are insane kind of thing. Yeah, but then what do they nickname Russell? Or you mean Denny? Denny, Denny, whatever. A crackpot just, and I mean, I could possibly go on a Wikipedia dive on it, but it just feels like one of those things that's carried over from, like, the Victorian era. Where yes. we've all forgotten what it originally meant and, I don't know, had to do with some pots, like... Container seller in New York City in 1841. 
It's like how you call a, a fake doctor a quack. Yes. And that's not something that really makes sense right now, but it, you know, used to. Or it can be traced back to a British term that ends up being racist and you don't, you're surprised it is. That happens way too often. Oops. <sighs> Thank you, British Empire. Uh, apparently it is because pot was slang for head, so it was like this guy's head is cracked. Ah. Uh, oh. There you go. Uh, first uses in okay. Eight, first uses in 1883. Hmm. See, it's something from the Victorian era. <laughs> anyway, so so this means that Russell is going to have to go with Bumblebee. Russell is, you know, he has plans that uh, he can't think of right now, but he definitely has them. Definitely <clears throat> some plans. Uh, but no, he has he has to go, and he is convinced that you know he will get out of cleaning up uh, after dinner for a week if he brings Denny back a shirt. Hmm. I would have just stood up, crackpot Carl. So, so they he get there. He doesn't have any camshafts. He's, we have established that he's not an auto junkyard. I mean, maybe he collects other things. Maybe, and he's just known for collecting camshafts. Well, that's the main thing he collects. Yes. I mean, he may also have a sideline in uh, Billy the Breakfast Beaver statues. Maybe. Maybe. That sounds about right. Camshafts and Billy the Breakfast Beaver statues. Awesome. So Next they get time there I get to go to a convention, I'm making a Billy the Breakfast Beaver t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. So yeah, they get there, and Bumblebee is immediately rocking out, and he, he hopes that they'll do, uh, what is it, uh, carpool lane to your heart. He's bouncing up and down, and... Poor Russell's tolerating it. At one point, like a couple people walk by him rocking, and I'm I'm sure they're thinking, you know, when this bee's rocking, don't go a knocking. (laughs) No, but then he stops. Yes, he stops. They pass, and then he starts up again. I mean, also he he asks Russell to see if he can pick him up a steering wheel cover. Yes, size medium. Yes. He's so excited. Excited B is best B. So so Russell gets there and he's you know he's going to he gets this shirt but then he like like I do every time I go to a stadium he gets totally lost. Uh, ends up in the backstage area where they they like lift up because apparently Rear Axle has an insanely elaborate uh, stage show. We see lasers, we see a a rocket that is flying around the uh, the Rumble Dome. Yeah. Lots of extras. He's got. They've got like an army of guys in robot costumes. Yeah, they got people wearing like laser tag looking outfits. It's, uh, it's a lot. I'll just say that when I went to see Ben Folds, it didn't look anything like this. No. <laughs> but what if it had? Just I mean, they, they may just the hire like a touring company of Starlight Express here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the props aren't the only thing back here. Because there's also our villains of the episode. It's Bisk. Yay! Uh, Everyone's favorite villainous gamer lobster. Yeah, well, uh, mm, he may be my second favorite lobster in the show. So, as a a brief side story, I forget exactly how it came up, but I brought up to my sister, uh, who has two sons of 10 and 7 years old, uh, that 
a couple years ago, a few years ago, the Transformers series decided that all the Decepticons needed to be furries. Uh, and, and their leader was just absolutely absurdly sexy. Uh, and also I sent her a few pictures of them from like the wiki and one of them I sent her was clamped down. Uh, and I found a YouTube video that was like all of Steeljaw's stuff, all of his mm-hmm. appearances. Cause I was like, look at this absurdly sexy <laughs> wolf robot man. <laughs> <laughs> and a few minutes into it, she just types out the crab, <laughs> which is an entirely good, that's an entirely reasonable reaction to clamp down. I don't think I got to the point of of telling her that there was a lobster who was named Bisque, but I absolutely need to bring that up like tomorrow on chat. And then later, there's one named Thermidor. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Who's who's an old timey sea captain? I, I kind of prefer Thermidor, but Bisque has a funnier name. <laughs> it's not only an anthropomorphic lobster. He's named. He's got a food name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great. And like so many Decepticons, he's also come with a pal of Minicon buddies. Oh, they're, they're so cute. Uh, Anvil and Hammer. Yes, they're probably my favorite Minicon designs in this entire show. Anvil is kind of like a little gargoyle man. Yeah. Yes. And Hammer is like a little dragon. Yeah. And sad, there are toys of at least one of them that looks nothing like them. Well, that's sad. I thought Anvil was like an owl at first, but no, I think he's more of a gargoyle. And they're both voiced by a a very prominent voice actor, uh, Carlos... Alizraki. Oh. Hmm. oh okay. Uh he is Rocco on Rocco's Modern Life. Uh-huh. What? Yes, he's uh, he's Spyro the Dragon. And they just have him come be these little barely articulate creatures. Yeah, he he's was... also the British stage manager a little later on. Uh uh-huh. oh, yeah, that makes it he's uh-huh. he's also on Reno nine one one. Yeah, he's a couple guys on Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. Man. Uh, but uh, but true 90s kids will remember him as the voice of the Taco Bell Chihuahua. <laughs> yep. I need to make a point of looking up these things before I watch the episode, because now I want to watch the episode again with that in mind. Hmm. Also, how did we go from this to the Netflix War for Cybertron. I know. It hasn't been that long. By union, people. George, uh, listen to George the Cat. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have a baby George the Cat now. Ooh. My new foster. Uh, so yeah, if you if you want to be bodily transported back to the year 1999, do as I did and look up the Taco Bell Godzilla commercials on YouTube. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh, I guess... Or sorry, 1998. I guess Anvil's toy does kind of look like him. Th- uh, and Hammer, and Hammer has a bunch of recolors, and one of them basically looks yeah, like him. Yeah, one of them's the right of. color, but it's not really the right shape dragon, because he doesn't have four legs, but... Uh, damn it, now anyway, I they, Anvil. Anyway, they... Uh, it, it could be sort of the along the same lines as uh, Toka and Razar in... Uh, yes! Uh, Ninja Heroes 2... Babies! They're babies! 
They are. They're so cute. They don't know how to do anything. They're just like these feeble, stupid Pokemon guys. They are. <laughs> and just expecting them to help you do crimes. <laughs> Bisk just hates them so much. He does. They're trying. I, I, so, Russell's sneaking around. He actually drops some symbols... And, uh, so, you know, basically all, find me what made that noise. And they bring him the symbols. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what made the noise. Well, <sighs> At so one point, great. they just turn into balls with guns on them and start shooting everything. <laughs> yeah. Not subtle. Because, of course, they can't, they have to be very careful in yanking out this soundboard and disconnecting everything so that, you know, it, it remains uh, intact. Yes, because they actually need to use this equipment. They're not just here yes. to ruin the concert. They actually mm. need the equipment. You would think they could, like, I don't know, like, rob the bus after the show, but no, no they, they, they have, have to, to do it. I steal mean, it mid-concert so that they can make the, same, the kind of bombs that Boba Fett uses on his ship that makes sound booms. <laughs> oh, like the sick guitar lick bombs? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, that, that, that's the way they describe what they're for, like for the defense mechanism on the ship. And it's so. also entirely possible that Bisk understands little enough of how human concerts work that he doesn't understand that this equipment will be probably under minimal guard outside of the facility with a lot fewer people if you just wait like three or four hours. I guess the, the the deal now is that he can, due to their elaborate stage show, he can appear to be part of the show if he is caught stealing it. Yeah. That's a fair point. His babies are so good. <laughs> They're so round and dumb. So so Russell's able to hide, or he's able to escape via this uh, this scissor lift, getting up to the stage and just sort of putting the shirt on and pretending that he's part of the crew. He, uh, he says, hey, everything's good down there, rock on. He flashes him the horns. He already claimed to be the son of one of the... Oh, that comes later. ...band members. That was... That's well, when he gets in. Yeah. Is it? I thought that was that's later on when he's... I've got that later oh, in my no, notes. That, yeah, that's when he sneaks Bumblebee in. Right, because he... Right. Because then he gets to the parking lot, he finds multiple cars that are not Bumblebee, and sets off the car alarms... <laughs> Because Bumblebee is a popular make of car, which, hey, after the movies, yes, so many cars are decoed like Bumblebee. Kind of was. This is true, yes. Although, most of the times when I would see cars decoed like Bumblebee, they were always Mustangs. Hmm. Which was freaking weird. That's not right. You have Barricade decoed like Bumblebee. And that annoyed me for like three years straight. Because there there was a (laughs) couple of those cars around here. Anyway. So anyway, he, he does eventually find the actual Bumblebee, who is still rocking out, hoping to, hoping to hear uh, Carpool Lane to your heart. <laughs> Cut back to the scrapyard, where indeed Strong Arm is studying her traffic citations, and yes. Grimlock is sculpting by reducing large rocks to smaller rocks. Well, <laughs> yeah, yes, and, and Fix-It's complaining about that, the, the basics. It's like, well, that's how sculpting works, Fix-It. That just, is the definition you know. of sculpting. You yeah, just don't understand art. No. 
fix it just doesn't understand art. (laughs) You're chiseling away at the outer rock to reveal the statue inside. (laughs) By breaking the ground with your tail, but... Yes, that's important. So yeah, Russell gets it. Yeah, so anyway, Russell gets into B. He gets in via a real. Don't you know who my dad is? Yeah, uh, because he, he claims to be the son of Rear Axle's drummer. Sticking with that, but unfortunately, the other Autobots are now stuck in traffic. Hmm. I mean, you don't really want to go driving around a an arena near, around a big concert. Well, yeah, you're trying to be quiet now because the show hasn't let out yet, and people should presumably already be there. If yeah. they're going. I guess that's a good point. <clears throat> Sorry, they're just conveniently struck, stuck in traffic. Yes. So we also run into the stage manager, who is uh, extremely British and also voiced by uh, Carlos Elizacri. <laughs> Yay! And also uh, of note, uh, it's a family affair as he has a daughter who's a voice actor and who's on that new Star Trek Prodigy. Oh. Ooh. That's cool. Which is a, yeah, it's a pretty fun show. So I've heard. It's got, uh, it's got, uh, um... Janeway. It does. And, uh, surprisingly, a little bit of Jakotay. Oh. Really? Yes. I guess he wanted to have stuff to do with Star Trek again. I thought by the time that show ended, he was just trying to get fired. <laughs> Basically, yes. He was doing all but, you know that uh, Seinfeld episode where George Costanza's trying to uh, get fired? <laughs> I assume he was just driving in the parking lot with, like, uh, Gene Roddenberry's urn dragging behind his car. <laughs> or, I don't know, a model of Deep Space Nine or whatever. <laughs> One of the production models. Uh, but I mean, you know, I guess you know it's been like twenty years, and it's voice paycheck, acting's yeah. easy enough, and yeah, it's paycheck. Uh, I'm just waiting for uh, I'm just waiting for the uh, the uh, imminent return of Neelix on that show. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, Ethan Phillips is still around, everybody. I know it's just the, the thought of Neelix coming back. It's like. You could rehabilitate Neelix, who was an annoying character in cartoon form, or you could make him even more annoying. You could go... It's only those two options. <laughs> you can only make him much better or much, much worse. Yeah. So anyway, we, we, anyway, we run into this stage manager, who's extremely British, and a um, strong Spinal Tap vibes from this guy. Yes. This is definitely a guy who has had a miniature Stonehenge almost trampled by uh, by a little person. <laughs> oh, the Stonehenge. No, we're not doing Stonehenge. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he... So Bisk ends up on stage uh, because he yes. sold one of the soundboards, but he needs the other one that is being used in the concert. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, Bisk ends up fighting B, and everybody assumes that it is part of the show. Well, everybody, including the band, except for the... The manager, who's kind of like, wait, did I plan this? Yes, I must have. <laughs> but oh, the, the fight looks really cool with it, with like the the, the laser lights. It's got the stuff lasers and uh, and the like guys in Tron costumes. Yeah, it's just uh, I wish there were lyrics to the song to go along with yes. the fight. Aww. Like that's the only thing really lacking there. And. uh... 
th- th- this is unfortunately the end for Anvil and Hammer because B just tosses them into the speakers and they get like they they make a futile attempt to get up a little later, hmm. but uh, they are done. But that's okay because Bisk never liked playing on multiplayer anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Bisk. I forgot about his game thing. Yeah, because it, it's such a minor thing in this episode. He says like, what is it? Like two lines, maybe three. Well, I just mean like from his previous appearance, I had forgotten about it. <laughs> well, he he does say that Bulby is the one uh, one player he's never defeated. Hmm. And then he says that being on stage here is like being in a video game. Oh yeah, <sighs> which is kind of neat. But it's minor enough that I wonder if maybe this was initially written for... I mean, this I, this script, you could kind of plug in any two Decepticons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Springload has that line about Doratus, but you could have added that later once Hasbro said, okay, we'd like to sell these guys this week. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's the thing with a lot of, well, cold, open Decepticons at the show anyway. Yes. So yeah, there there is a there is a fight. It is very cool, and indeed, Bumblebee does uh, defeat him. Yeah, but again, it would have been cooler if like oh, lyrics absolutely. in the song inspired him <laughs> during the fight. Instead, it's just oh, the rhythm of the music, and oh, I'm part of the show. It's, I mean, you could have even gone with uh, the touch or dare. Yeah. Oh like, man, the touch might be too much. Dare would have been great. I do, you know, I feel like complaining about the music would have been unreasonable if we hadn't gotten completely new songs by an established musician exactly. yes. in Rescue Bots. Two new songs! Rescue Bots, though, that definitely, I mean, it kind of feels like one of those, like, somebody knew somebody or somebody had small children who liked the show kind of things. That's part of mm-hmm. it, but it also feels like, wait, Rescue Bots had a bigger budget than this? <laughs> I mean, that's probably well, not they, true, but it feels like... Well, they spent all their budget here on guest voice actors. And also probably a higher animation budget, because I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. uh, Rescue Bots is Flash or something like Flash. Yeah, it, right. it's cheaper to animate, so I guess they had room for songs, but uh, it's still... Mm. Uh, and also, meanwhile, Russell's uh, shirt has been like, he's like, been like crawling through... Uh, through back rooms and somebody spills uh, what appears to be chili on it. Or possibly <laughs> gravy. Shallow gravy? I think it was chili from a chili dog. Well, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was dog. chili from a chili dog or if it was gravy from poutine. <laughs> I don't think well, this is filmed uh, in Canada. I think we have presumed that Crown City is in the U.S., so it would not be poutine. Do you not have poutine at all in the States? No. Not at a I mean, concert. In very rare occasions, specifically as a Canadian novelty. Usually, if ironically. If you're near the border and in a diner, yeah, you might be able to get poutine. Or, or I, I mean, could you could get, get what, you could get what, uh, the American equivalent of disco fries. Yeah, it would have been called disco fries. That's, ugh. Ugh, no. <laughs> Not a fan of disco fries. I don't like the gravy on it. It's dick. You don't put gravy on french fries at all? No! What? Gravy is for turkey. <sighs> and to be honest, I prefer and beef gravy too. on my turkey. Oh, and mashed potatoes, of course. But. I mean, uh, what are what are mashed potatoes but uh, the final form of french fries? Well, yes. <laughs> but that's the thing. It has to be in mashed potato form. Regular fries, it's like... 
I want my fries crispy on the outside and a little bit sweet. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, the, so this this shirt is ruined, but thankfully, uh, rear axle continues, reaches the climax of their concert, and Bisk is defeated. Yes. Yay! Alas, so they just get tossed into Bisque. a box. They get smuggled out of the uh, concert, <laughs> and also Bumblebee and Russell take a totally rad picture with Rear Axle. <laughs> it's yes. a very good picture. And Denny is fine with the shirt because it's pre-distressed. <laughs> yes. Also, Bumblebee gets out by everyone just assuming that he's in costume. Yes. Hmm. It requires a little suspension of disbelief, but. Uh, <laughs> Seen it's a pretty fun impressive episode. costumes at some of the Transformers conventions. This is true. Never one that big, though. Well, yeah, no, maybe what, not that was, big. Was it what theme park was it that did they had the big Megatron costume? Uh, that's uh, Islands Studios? of Adventure. Oh, okay, Universal or something. Yeah, yeah, because that one looked neat. That, that's kind of what these. I mean, that's are a big do. guy, but it's not the size of a car. No, but Bumblebee's kind of a small car. Bisk is bigger, yes. Yes, well, he, you see, definitely see that he's a lot bigger than uh, you can, like, hold him in one of his claws. Yeah, which is weird since he's also a car of similar size. He's, maybe he just unfolds bigger? Yeah, he's a lobster. <laughs> he, he, his chitin just folds out. I think it's chitin. Chitin, eh, whatever. Latin. The... All right, and so that is Bumblebee's Night Off. I enjoyed this one a lot. Yes. Yeah, that was a really fun episode. I definitely got, like, when I saw the picture of the band, my first thought was Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> I think it's because their face paint was, like, bright colors. Yes. Yeah, the, just the cheesiness of Bumblebee being so into a band is delightful. <laughs> I like the idea of him being super into a band like when he was prime Bumblebee and didn't even talk. Yes. He's still like super into this band. Mm-hmm. Just beeping excitedly about it. So yeah, so the uh you know, I I did enjoy this one a lot. So I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes, uh, Live Man Good. Uh, in our Discord, we've been watching, we switched over to Live Man a while ago, and we're in the middle of the series, and more Rangers are showing up. Finally, which is Live weird. Live Man! Yes. It's a good show. It's fun. Come to Discord, watch. It's fun. Anyway, uh, this week on Gosei Sentai, Die Ranger, an idol's first experience. Wait, that sounds dirty. <laughs> but it is not. Um,. I think I saw that uh, hentai dodenshi. Oh yeah, that, that probably is the title. Anyway, um, it's about Min May. This is an odd one, kind of. I'm old. The Pink Ranger runs into this guy to save a bird. He takes a photo of her, and and through the process, he's like a music producer or something, and he gets her into becoming an idol and there's a photo magazine of her and she starts recording songs and the other rangers are obsessed to buy her photo book it's weird so like the first third of the episode is just that like her becoming an idol over the process of what seems like a month or more recording songs having magazines come out it's like it's like what's going on 
It's like so much time is happening. Unless this is happening in a few days, which is insane. Anyway, it turns out the the oh the photographer guy is in, in, in a dark room talking to himself, and then one of the bad guys shows up because he's the monster of the week. Ooh. He's media magician who bumped into her to con her to take photos of her, and every photo he takes steals a bit of her chi power, so then eventually at the end of the episode she can't turn into a ranger anymore because chi power is how they transform. Mm-hmm. And, and also he's using the chi power taken from her to instill in posters he puts around town that, that will convert normal people into, like, fanged zombies controlled by the chi power and then they gather in large groups and reach their hands up to tall buildings and the buildings explode in stock footage (laughs) (laughs) it's weird yeah it sounds a little weird it's an odd plot to begin with and it's so complicated and seems to take forever compared to where most plans seem to like okay we do this over the course of like three days no this one's a really long con was this happening in the background of other episodes anyway while the pink ranger is singing and recording a new song the rangers are are fighting the, the media magician who looks like Tetsuo the Iron Man but with a camera for a face it's unsettling I kind of don't like the design of this monster at all He's like wrapped around in film. It's weird. Anyway, um, where's he? Oh, uh, but but the, the the producer monster. And after he beats up the Rangers, he goes back to her, and he's bleeding, and she takes care of him, banding his injury because she doesn't know he's the monster because she's been busy with all his music stuff. <laughs> and it turns out, oh, the monster was kind of falling for her, and he takes her to a beach with romantic lighting and s- confesses, I am one of the Gorma. I am a monster. And she's like, no, you're a good person, even if you're a Gorma. And even though you beat up my ranger friends, who I didn't see off screen. So his heart is turned around, and, and, and the Gorma lady, Gara who was in charge of him, shows up at the beach. It's like, fuck you, we're, we're taking the chi power out of them so we can beat the shit out of the rangers. And he's like, no, you will not attack her, and stands in front of her. And the villain kills the monster of the week. Because <laughs> he was standing the way. Like, God Oops. damn it. Messing up the plan. <laughs> oh, well, whatever, the plan's working. Because the ranger can't transform. But oh no, killing him gave her the spirit to be so angry. She transforms with with G power again and punches the the villain woman in the face. And then the villain woman's like completely done with it. Fuck it, I'll throw a bomb at the monster that I already killed. He explodes and turns giant, so there's a giant monster fight. But he's basically just he's dead already and the rangers just have to kill him and and then there's melancholy at the end it's like oh we had to kill the sad monster man it's it's a sympathetic villain episode that doesn't feel like one because almost half of the episode is about becoming an idol (laughs) it's very weird I, although this does fall into the category of, oh, we, we made up an excuse to have the female ranger in the show dress up in various things like, oh, she's in a bikini and, and a Chinese cham song dress during the making of a music video because she sings, the actress playing her sings the song, which, hey, music tie-in albums and shit. It, it's, buy it's, a record. Yes, it, it's, it's a very buy a record, here's an episode where, where, 
the woman of the team gets in different outfits, but it's it, it there's so much going on in this stupid episode. <laughs> and it's weird that, that that he becomes a sympathetic villain when he looks so hideous as a monster. Like usually it's like a slightly charming monster. Like oh oh it's it's a bee monster that looks kind of cute or something. Uh-huh. Or it's or it's a broken robot that, that doesn't really want to be evil, but he's being abused. But it's like no, this is the cameras and film just glued all together in this monstrosity, <laughs> and we have pathos out of this creature. So Not was, enough to feel sorry for it. Yes, it, it's an interesting episode, but weird choice, weird choice. And the time scale. What? Like weeks happen, months happen. Odd. Anyway. All right. So that does it for us for this week. You can find us until next week, though. You can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash Iacon Underground. Uh, we have not settled on what we're doing for March just yet uh, because we have a Spider-Man No Way Home uh, episode that is sitting there waiting to be fired off as soon as that becomes available, uh, which should be later this month. Uh, but we've also got exciting plans to see what's going on with this Morbius character. Uh, via v, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon <laughs> in which he has some big Tommy Wiseau energy. Uh, one of those things, and then probably the other one will be our April episode. Uh, so lots of fun stuff with our Patreon. Every month we do one exciting, like, super interesting, usually, like, two-hour or so episode just because we keep talking. Mm. Uh and those are as little as a dollar a month to join in for that. Uh, you get access to our whole back catalog with a lot of really fun stuff in it. Uh, and also every new episode as they come out. Uh, like I've, I've said, I, I like keeping our cost low for that because our overhead is not excessive. Uh, so, yeah, you can help out with that and get one fun episode a month every month for that. All right. So until next time we find ourselves impounded, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. All right. Oh, wait. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. My, my squiggles are squiggling. Sorry. I'm trying GarageBand this time. Okay. Uh, but I did remember to turn off the metronome sound this time. Is <laughs> a metronome sound? That sounds yeah. horrendous. Well, because if you're singing, mm. then oh, you might want a metronome. Yeah. Or if you're trying to hypnotize somebody. Yes. Mm. Or if you're trying to hypnotize somebody. Uh, but okay. My squiggles are going, so I am all set. Okay.